Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another Geek Vibes Live review. Um, For this review, I'm your host, Tia, and I'm very excited to have with me again Michael Cook from Thoroughly Modern Reviewer. How are you, Michael? I'm good. How are you, Tia? I'm doing well. The last time I had you on was before American Gods Season 3. And now I have you back on as we review American Gods Season 3. So this is pretty exciting. Yes. (laughs) We are big fans, and we've stayed in communication this whole entire time, kind of going back and forth, like, did you get the screener? Did you get the screener? (laughs) It's, um, I feel as if I've been more anxious about the screeners than the actual show. I don't know if you felt the same way. To a degree at times, but at other times, I'm like, you know what, maybe they're just done sending them to us, and I'll just have to watch it like a normal person. Yeah, I don't like watching it like a normal person. I want to know beforehand. (laughs) Oh, I feel that. I feel that so much. (laughs) But, you know, it's we talked beforehand, and we really had our, you know, thoughts about season three, and I feel like some came true, some didn't, but before we get into, like, an actual nitty-gritty review, what are your overall thoughts for season three? I feel like this season has been the most consistent, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I feel like the first two had really high highs and then really low lows, Whereas this one was just, like, consistently pretty solid the whole time? I felt the same way. Um, you know, we've talked about how I I really like season two um, mm-hmm. for all its flaws. I like season one, even though at times it felt more episodic than anything else. But season three, I thought, was very cohesive. It felt like this was the first time we were actually getting to an overarching story. Like, when we got into episode nine, um, I felt as if, okay, this is the climax of the season, and then the last episode, episode 10, is the, you know, the dust settling. And I haven't felt that way in previous seasons. Um, By the way, I should probably say, obviously, spoilers are coming in this review. So, you know, we weren't able to really talk about spoilers in our last one, even though you and I had seen the first four episodes before they had come out. Yes, I I do recall the dancing around the spoilers very well. (laughs) We did um, a pretty good job. (laughs) Except for that that one bit where you had to, to cut out me accidentally revealing that Hinzelman was the bad guy. (laughs) <laughs> which um it's funny you say that so listen when i say this i'm not trying to brag or anything i did get to speak to several actors from american gods one of them being ian mcshane um and he actually talked about the hinselman thing saying how much he liked that they gender bent uh hinselman similar to what you were saying that you don't expect it to be a little old lady being this evil deity yeah, and I, I honestly, I still stand by that. I thought 
that whole thing was handled really well where because I, I remember tweeting out the first couple of weeks it was airing how much I loved Tinselman. Like, you know what? I inherently trusted them, even though I had the knowledge in the book that, you know, I knew they were a murderer. Where, <laughs> yeah, but, but the way that Julia Sweeney was playing her on the show was like, you know what? No, I would trust this woman. I wouldn't think twice about her. And so when they pulled the rug out from under us, I mean, they sort of teased it in, what was it, episode seven, when she's being really like nosy about whatever shadow's doing with Derek. Do you remember that? Yes, I do like, remember. She was being very nosy. That's I think the first time where you really kind of get a hint that she might there might be something a little bit darker there than just she's a nosy person in the town. But I don't think it's enough that people who don't know it's coming predict it, if that makes sense. It one hundred percent makes sense, yeah. So I, I think I really appreciated the way that they they built up to that, to um, Shadow finally figuring it out in episode nine. Um, I think I started kind of feeling a little iffy about Hinsleman. Not iffy, but thinking that things were kind of off. I forget which episode it was, but the one where Marguerite reveals that Hinsleman owns, say, most of the buildings in town. And I thought that was super strange. I think that's also like it's either six or seven. It could be. It's the it's the, it's one, the one where he's painting the house. Yeah. I just don't remember which episode that is. Which, by the way, he was painting it really poorly. Can we talk about that? I just remember watching it, and I'm like, I'm not a painter. I've never painted a day in my life, but I've watched a lot of like HD TV. I'm not sure if you just start in one circle and just like go in any which direction shadow. <laughs> What, like, it's that, and it's not even a nice color for that room. <laughs> like, you'd have no. to change the whole room to match that color. These, these are the nitty-gritty things that we <laughs> noticed. The terrible, what did he say? It was like, it's salmon or something, like, and I uh, hate that. It's like, it's gross. pink, okay? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so that was the moment where I sat there and said, huh, that's kind of strange that Hinsleman owns just so much. I think... Like, doesn't anyone find that unusual that not only does she own so much, but she also takes charge of every situation, say, with Allison missing? Um, you know, Chad is the chief of police, and you never really felt like Chad was in charge. You felt like it was Hinselman the entire time. Yeah, she – I'm just remembering that, I think, episode three, where they're, where they're organizing the search party. Mm-hmm. And yeah. – and he's trying. And she, he's just trying his best. And she's like, "No, I got the cameras. I, don't you <laughs> use your cell phones? Just bring them all back to me. We're just gonna get this done." Which, by the way, looking back on that, isn't that also a little peculiar? Because it's like, oh, she's what, totally gonna get rid of the evidence. Exactly. Exactly. It, she doesn't want anyone doing it on her cell phone. She wants it to develop all of them so that she can see if anyone is like on the money there. Um, so that too, looking back on it, but yeah, Chad, he never stood a chance in <laughs> having any sort of authority, but, um, bless his heart. Bless, that's like the true Southern thing, right? When you're like, <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Um, uh, as you're a huge fan of the book, um, and such a beloved section in the book is the lakeside section. Do you feel as if season three did justice by portraying Lakeside? Um, 
Uh, yes and no is my answer. Okay. We've talked <laughs> a little bit about this <laughs> elsewhere, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like for a season that billed itself as being the lakeside season, lakeside sure takes a backseat in almost every episode. Yes. And to the point where after they do that search party for Allison, they don't really do anything with that plotline again until episode nine. Like they touch on it a little bit in seven when, you know, Shadow's doing the whole Derek thing, but it's so brief because Shadow's like, oh no, he didn't do anything. So whatever. And I don't know, it, it gets to the point where you almost forget that that's a thing because every time we go to Lakeside, it's just Shadow hanging out with people or, or, you know, having sex with Margaret, Marguerite in a hot tub or, and it's like, <laughs> yes, these are things that sort of happen in the book, but like that whole section feels like a Twin Peaks episode. Right. And I, and I don't know that the show maintained that, like it started off that way and it ended that way. But, like, in the middle, I feel like they lost track of it some and got distracted doing other things. I will admit that I wish they would have spent more time in Lakeside because it seemed just really inviting at first, something that Shadow needed. And I would have loved for them to develop the friend. Like, he clearly developed some sort of a friendship with Chad. Um, I would have liked to see that developed more, um, more time with Marguerite, and more time in the town. It felt, it felt like people knew him, like he quickly yeah. became a staple of that town. Um, but I don't know, we, we felt a little bit of the warmness of Lakeside, and then it was slowly being pulled apart by the Allison thing. Because if you remember, there's that one scene where they're in Mabel's and everyone is kind of getting on Chad. That one woman's like, you know, oh, I drove yeah. by your house at 10 and you were in bed, which I kind of was like, that's nosy. Why are you driving by his house? <laughs> I, I just feel like there wasn't the consistency in the gradual breaking apart because we weren't there enough. So like. Exactly. Like one episode, everybody would be really friendly and then we wouldn't see them for a bit. And then they're at each other's throats. And you're like, what happened between the last time we were here and now? Right. Exactly. And I wanted to talk about two lakeside things. I know that, um, you know, this is just, I think you remember from our last podcast, I kind of just all over (laughs) the place. That's just how I roll with these things. But um, the two things I wanted to talk about is a, I don't think I really liked Derek uh, being the panty thief and that whole thing. Um, And I also disliked how we saw Sam Black Crow for five minutes in one episode. Um, So I'll ask you, you know, whichever one you want to tackle, how you felt about the Derek reveal and also about Sam just having no screen time. I will tackle the Derek one first because I, I have less thoughts about it. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about the Sam one. Okay. <laughs> um, I I don't care about the Derek plotline at all mm-hmm. because Derek was so not developed as anything. Like to the point where I forgot it was the person who was work. I forgot he was the same kid who was working in Mabel's diner and was trying to be all friendly with Shadow. 
like I had to remember that when they hit episode seven and revealed that he was the panty thief. I was like, oh, it's that kid that we met twice. I just felt as if it didn't hit the way maybe they wanted it to hit. Because it's like, all right, there's a panty thief in Lakeside. And at first you're kind of like, why is everyone making such a big deal? And then you're kind of like, well, that is creepy. Someone's breaking into people's houses. They're stealing, you know, women's lingerie. That is very intrusive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's revealed to be Derek. And at first you're like, oh, what a perverted kid. But oh, then him then revealing... The- that, that I forgot about that entirely. Then it revealed that he wear that he's saying, "Oh, he wears them," and it's like it almost felt cheap, you know, because uh-huh. um, I just feel like, you know, he wasn't a huge character. I'm not saying develop him like so much, but then don't put it in at all. Uh, I didn't understand that scene where he's saying, um, you know, I, it's not like I can go to a store in town and go buy a bra and underwear and Chad's kind of looking at him weird. And he's like, see, that's what I'm talking about. That look. And he uses the really hard F word that I'm never mm-hmm. comfortable hearing. Yeah. Um, and so that scene is just like, uh, did we really need this? We already had the Allison thing going on. I don't know if we needed this either. Like, I feel like in the book, there was, and I might be, it's been a while since I read the book, mm-hmm. but I feel like there may have been something similar, but they didn't, it wasn't like an actual plot point. It was just another example of the shiny veneer of the town being scrubbed away. Like, mm-hmm. I think there was some kind of ongoing petty crime, but they never solved it. It was just happening. Right. And I feel like that's what they were setting it up to be. Like, it was just, oh, this is just happening. Oh, no. And <laughs> then they decided to tie it in with the the, the 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 Allison stuff by, you know, having it be him and then having Hinselman kill him and frame him. and and Which, and in I, a way, for me, kind of made sense because I was like, oh, Hinselman probably thought that's a good out. They won't search for <laughs> Allison anymore because now we already know the guy who was stealing panties um you know killed her okay case closed now we can all go back to our happy little festival and everything which again so weird when it's like hey should we still have this festival we just learned that two kids are dead and it's like well hinselman said god damn who is this hinselman i mean <laughs> you know chad you're the law of you're the policeman sir Cancel the you festival. You are literally the cop, and you're letting, like, Hinselman walk all over you. You know, I loved Chad, and I thought Eric Johnson played him really well, but there were times where I was saying to myself, have some balls, sir, you know? Like, do your job. Truly. So, like, that, that part worked for me, but like you, it's just, like, I don't know why they made that decision with with um Derek to have him... I guess he's a cross-dresser? Is that what they were going for? Or were they suggesting he's perhaps, like, gender-fluid or transgender? I don't know what they were doing with that. Yeah, I didn't know what they were doing. Like, if you're going to do that, then you should do that instead of having it be a throwaway line with a throwaway character. Which feels really strange. Which feels really strange that they, like, got that wrong when they 
did that. Got Celine so right the next episode. Yeah, Celine so right with that, you know, mass, and we'll get into that in a sec, but with that massive, beautiful scene and, you know, having an actual trans woman play a trans woman and have, you know, this, like, beautiful, accepting uh, episode and all that. And it's like, you have that, but then you had that other shit, <laughs> the previous episode that just didn't work, but I don't know. Um, you said that you had a lot to say about Sam, so I definitely want to hear it. Yes. So <laughs> I I was talking about this with one of my friends who doesn't watch the show but read the book. Mm-hmm. She was really excited about Sam coming back, as I'm sure we all were. And if you recall in the book, she comes back and plays quite a pivotal role towards the conclusion of the Lakeside arc. You know, she comes and has dinner with, with Marguerite and Shadow – her and Shadow go to a bar. Audrey's there, and out Shadow is, like, lying and being under an alias. And Sam kisses him at one point to try and, you know, deflect suspicion. But then he gets arrested, and he watches Wednesday get killed on a TV, and he try- they almost extradite him. And it's like a whole thing, and that's how that bit ends. And they just cut all of it. Yeah, none of that none was of in there. there. <laughs> and, like, I understand... It was in part to give Shadow more agency in, like, choosing to go to Wednesday's vigil and all that. Because they they were totally building up that arc of, you know, he's choosing his own destiny. And, and he's slowly starting to mirror Wednesday and some of his decisions. So I get that. I just hate that it came at the expense of doing something with Sam. Because they set her up so beautifully in season two to come back. And then she's here for, what, two minutes? Oh, my gosh. She was in that episode for five minutes at most. She came in. She said to Shadow that he should have Marguerite teach him how to ice skate. And then she left. (laughs) And that was it. She was like, if you hurt my sister, I'll kill you. (laughs) Which I I would believe. (laughs) I mean, I'd buy that, too. And it it just seems like a waste. Why bother at that point? Yeah, I don't understand, especially since they included her in the trailer. Um, they It's not as if they didn't include her. They, she was in the trailer. And to me, whenever you include something in the trailer, it's it should be – It's important. It should be more than just a five-minute scene. Um, so that – again, I – I was kind of happy they didn't go with the Audrey thing because that whole thing was a little weird. If you remember, sure, Audrey yeah. Audrey was Chad's cousin who he kind of was having some sort of mm-hmm. incestual relationship <laughs> yeah. with. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad they didn't go in that. Um, and maybe they just thought like, okay, how the hell are we supposed to explain Audrey coming back? We haven't seen her since season one. Um, I get that. But Sam could have stayed around for at least a whole episode or something. I mean, you know, she went to go visit Marguerite, and then she leaves. Marguerite doesn't go, hey, half-sister of mine, would you like to sleep on the couch or a spare room for the night so you don't have to leave? (laughs) She literally drives there that day and then leaves that night. Like, where is she living these days? How far? Like, where is she living? (laughs) They made it seem as if she lived far because Marguerite's like, how is the drive here? And, you know, (laughs) sending her away at nine o'clock at night when it's snowing. Yeah, it just it didn't seem like, you know, if I had a sibling that I was going to see and visit that didn't live in, say, like a 30 minute proximity Mm -hmm. to me, I'd want to stay the night. Yeah. You know, they had wine. 
So she was drinking, you mm-hmm. know, not not very smart, Marguerite. You know, you should you should know better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I Sam. I wish Sam was in it more. Um, and before we move on from the lakeside thing, unless you like you had more to add about it, I wanted to say, I messaged you this thing. I wanted to say one last thing about Chad. Um, <laughs> if Again, and I've only read the book once. I, like, rely on you a lot when it comes to the book facts. But I do remember that Shadow, when he was leaving, told Chad, you know, go with Marguerite. Um, And I feel like a few times maybe they were alluding to that, Chad saying, like, hey, Marguerite's an old friend. Marguerite coming, you know, to Chad when they find, you know, Derek's body and her, like, kind of giving this, like, really sympathetic look to him. I'm like, are they going to go in that direction and then we never really had a conclusive scene between chad and shadow like no explanation chad just shot Hinslman. she didn't even like you know blink and then she gets cut and her blood literally turns into flames the house burns down we don't at least see like shadow going yeah chad um i gotta explain some shit to you <laughs> i there feel like just... that i needed <laughs> I agree. They just it just ended, and it was like what, Chad doesn't have any questions. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's life altering. His like, whole world is just blown up there. Like, I'm not saying Shadow has to be like, oh yeah, they're gods, and Hinselman is some Norse creature or whatever. Like, you know, yeah, we don't need all that. But like, he could have said something. Something, a little something. I don't know. I just feel as if an explanation was needed. But overall, I know I, I'm kind of nitpicking here. I still loved the lakeside stuff. Um, I think I said to you at some point, I never really got the allure from the book. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just because I read it once. And so I didn't really appreciate the way a lot of people appreciated it. But seeing it in a live action form, I really liked it and i think that's why i'd love to have had more time there you know i i agree i liked what we got i just wanted more of it yeah 100 i mean i was totally buying this shadow could have had his nice little life there he could have stayed with marguerite been eating pasties all the time um, you know what shadow deserves it let him stay there he did deserve. i, I understand there's more plot but you know what let him stay I, honestly, I really like Shadow this season. I think I've said this in uh, seasons one and two. I kind of found him bland. Nothing against Ricky Whittle. I think that's how he was supposed to play the character. Um, he was a little bland to me, kind of always mindlessly following Wednesday, even though he didn't really know why. Um, but this one, seeing him become his own man, have his own interests, I really liked him in that role. Um And again, I was happy with him just living in Lakeside. But um, we see in this season, Wednesday have a new companion with Cordelia, which we did talk about in our podcast before season three started. Um, How did you feel now having seen the entire season with Cordelia having been Wednesday's new companion? I can see why having her would sometimes be more beneficial than having Shadow. Because I remember we were talking about how it felt like she was just a Shadow replacement, like, before we'd seen much of anything. Yeah. That it was like, oh, she's doing the same thing Shadow was doing, except she's not really. She's a little bit more, like, emotionally supportive. Mm -hmm. She has a different set of skills than Shadow does. And 
Wednesday is really able to use that in a way that, like, Shadow, for lack of, like, a better way of phrasing this, Shadow is kind of brute force, and Cordelia is kind of, let's think of a way of doing this that doesn't involve punching someone. <laughs> like, like she's the one who's, like, hacking things, and she'd be the one working behind the scenes while Shadow would be the one... Uh, marching around outside, distracting people. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so I, I liked seeing that kind of dichotomy between them, and then seeing them come together in that heist episode was an absolute delight. I loved that heist episode. Oh, it was so. That could fun. have been its own episode. Just that that one oh, scene could have been 100%. an entire episode, and I'd have <laughs> seen were- it up. They work so well together. Um, I really like that that whole dynamic between them. And I really liked Cordelia by the end of the season. Um, her relationship with Wednesday was definitely different. Um, she knew at the end that Wednesday was a god. And she was like, nope, I want to keep going with this. And um, the fact that, you know, I don't know, their relationship was a very much a father-daughter relationship. Um Someone pointed out something online that was interesting. In episode 9, he gives Cordelia his hammer, his necklace. So it's like, I wonder if there's any sort of symbolism there or any sort of reason. I I just don't feel as if it's just sentiment. I don't have a good guess because (laughs) I didn't really think about it. (laughs) No, it's no problem. I didn't either until I saw someone point it out. And when I spoke with Ian McShane, again, not me trying to brag or anything there, but him having say, like having said that um, no one's in Wednesday's life accidentally, neither yeah. is Cordelia. That's true. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want, I'm sorry. I'm, my, my brain is now just no, it's okay. firing. <laughs> just, I'm like, oh. Oh, what could that mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, like, especially in the context of him potentially being back alive now, which, I mean, I know we said spoiler, but, like, extra spoiler. Extra spoiler. Extra spoiler. Because um, that's a yeah. pretty big departure from the book. Him, like, like definitively being alive again after the vigil. Was that a... See, again, like, having only read it once... In does, the book, does he come back? In the book, his body disappears, and then he's sort of seen in the darkness in the cave. Um, oh, I can't say too much about this, because it's like the big <laughs> climax spoiler kind of thing. I haven't said anything that would get me in trouble yet. But he, he reappears kind of in the shadows, but I don't think, I don't think anybody actually fully sees him again. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they hear him, and they talk to him, but I don't know if he was fully alive. But this looks like they're going for a, oh, no, he's he's back. That's what I thought in the uh, season finale when you saw the two of them in the uh, plane. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it may seem as if he was fully, you know, up and running. He was back and kicking, saying, like, thank you, Shadow. Um, this is what I planned all along so that I can be strong again. And now I'm now I'm strong. 
and now I'm going to, you know, go wreak havoc on the on the world. <laughs> That's how I took it, at least. Um, yeah, I, I'm of two minds about the the um, that whole thing. Like, yeah. I know I've said that I I don't care that much about the show veering away from the book, mm-hmm. but that particular one starts getting really close to. Like, the one part I've said they always need to get right, which is the climax. I think you have to get that twist that happens there correct. And what they did in the finale worries me a little bit in terms of getting that correct. If that may- I'm trying so hard not <laughs> to spoil the book here. Because I, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. At least not exactly, and so I don't want to say too much and then accidentally spoil the show. I don't care about spoiling a 20-year-old book, but if I'm not careful, I'll spoil the show. Well, believe me again, like, Ian McShane pretty much spoiled it. We were on, like, we were on the uh, interview, and he's talking, and I won't say it. You you guys can listen to it. I'll let him him say it. But, you know, we're talking about things, and he's like, well, you know, what if this person is really this person? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly who that person is, but people don't know that yet. (laughs) So you're not not supposed to say say that. that (laughs) I, I guess what we can say at this point is that in the book, Mr. Wednesday is definitely running a con. Yeah. There is a con at play. The con is not what has happened in the finale of this season. It's no. like it's it's similar, but Shadow isn't really involved in the con that Wednesday's pulling in the book. Shadow's just kind of there because he's Wednesday's son. Whereas in the show it looks like this has all been part of his plan the whole time, which is interesting and it feels true to the show but it's it's just inching close to like the one thing i said if the show messes this up i'm gonna be really upset <laughs> and so so i'm just like i'm caught in that weird place of like trying to let the show be its own thing but also like this is the the one thing you have to get right and if you don't why did you bother doing this at all I mean, I feel like they're going in that direction only because of um, certain things that have been happening with a certain character who shall remain nameless. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> the, the the phone call that he makes mm-hmm. um, in episode six, the frickin- some of the things he says to tech boy in episode 10. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I heard him, like they're go- they're going in this direction. Yeah. Um, which I never saw in seasons one mm-hmm. and two, but in season three, I'm like, it's so obvious. Like, yeah. if you're a book, if you're the book reader, it's so obvious. But if I weren't a book reader, I'd be confused. I would just think that something is up. I wouldn't know what was up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I've said in my reviews it, for both of these instances that if you're a book reader, you'll know exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll you you'll know exactly what they're hinting at. It is so blatantly obvious. And it's I feel so, like it's once, so once the show does it and the people who haven't read the book get this, they're gonna be like, Oh my god, it was so obvious. Yeah, no, I mean they it's kinda like 
you know how Wednesday always dangles the truth in front of like Shadow and Cordelia? It's just like they don't catch on at first. And mm-hmm. you as a viewer sit there and go, it's so obvious he's a god. He's literally not even trying to hide it from you. Yeah. It's just that you don't think that things like that exist, so you wouldn't automatically jump to that conclusion. Um, so it's just it's interesting. I'm very interested to see the direction they go with that. But um I have your notes actually that you sent to me. I think I said to you I liked what you had, you know, mapped out and I kinda wanted to go with that. So um you talked well, about on. before we move on, I do want to say one Absolutely. other thing about this, which is I like the idea they're setting up that Tech Boy might almost be an inverse of Shadow. And by that I mean at this point, Shadow knows that Wednesday is pulling a con, mm-hmm. right? And so he is yeah. doubtful, presumably, if Shadow survives this experience, he will be doubtful of Wednesday's um, truthfulness and, and what he says the point of this war is, right? And so I like that they're kind of setting up Tech Boy to be doubtful of Mr. World and, and to... to suspect there is something else going on with him because it almost lets shadow and there's a world where that plot ends with shadow and tech boy coming together to stop this war from happening do you know what i mean well well, if you noticed right in season three world uh, especially danny trejo's world um who did a phenomenal job by the way Mm -hmm. i loved all the different versions of world this season um, but Danny Trejo's world says to Tech Boy, of all my children, you are the most important. And even Bruce Langley referred to, like, Mr. World in a father capacity, saying, like, oh, he doesn't have very good, like, father figures in his life. The fact that they're trying to, like, move in this direction of referring to World as a father and referring to Tech Boy as a son it's it seems as if they're trying to make where this is the mirror image. You have Shadow and Wednesday on the old god side, and you have World and Tech Boy on the new god side. Yeah, I, I fully agree, and I'm fully on board with that. Let's let's go. I'm here for it. <laughs> I am too. I want to talk about Tech Boy because in your um, notes you talked about like the great character arcs, yes. Tech Boy being one of them, um, and I agree. I think I said, like, I don't know when this guy became a favorite character of mine because I hated him in season one. I was like, screw that guy. He's so annoying. He almost killed Shadow. He's this bratty little kid. And I don't know. I The more I watched season one, I kind of started liking him. And then season two started developing him more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then season three, I'm like, you know, to me, I always loved Matt Sweeney the most. That was my favorite character. In the absence of Matt Sweeney this season. Um, which, which side note, make... that, could be the, that could be the title of an episode, In the Absence of Matt Sweeney. In the Absence of Matt Sweeney. Which, by the way, I was a little upset that, um, you remember in the book, doesn't he come back in, like, a ghost form to, you know, party with Shadow or something like that? Yeah, but it's, like, right after he dies. So if they didn't do it last season, they were never going to do it. That's true. I'm just saying. I, I was sad. I was one of those silly people that was like, he's going to come back. <laughs> and then as soon as they put his body in the incinerator, I feel like that was the show's way of going, no, we just destroyed his body. 
He's not coming back. You're like, well, never mind. I guess not. It's like, screw you guys. I don't appreciate that. I'm still going to live in my little bubble where this somehow can be a thing. Um, but, yeah, so in the absence of Matt Sweeney, uh, Technical Boy definitely became my favorite. I loved his scenes with Bill Quist, with Shadow, um, his, uh, you know, flashback in episode five was just so amazing um but before i like blabber on about that i want to definitely get your thoughts of what you thought about technical boys uh progression this season i i agree with you i thought there was a really nice so you get the setup in episode one where bill quist does something to him and he has this vision of kind of generic war i saw i, I watched your interview with him where he refused to confirm what war it might be. Yeah. <laughs> he was very cheeky, that interview, <laughs> wanting but, to hold back certain things, which I appreciated. <laughs> but I, I kind of like that it's just sort of war in the abstract as opposed to a specific one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we get that. Then we see him start glitching. Then we get that flashback in episode five where we see... I'm still not sure if that's a human who happens to look like Tech Boy or if that's supposed to be Tech Boy. See, I don't know either, right? Because although, all right, so jumping, say, ahead, because we did say there's spoilers Mm -hmm. um, in episode 10 when it's pretty much revealed that he is the embodiment of human innovation and that each time he um, evolves, he forgets. So it's like could be in the very beginning of that certain evolution where he doesn't know who he is he's just kind of very fresh faced but i felt the same way my running theory at first was that was a human that mr world made into Mm -hmm. a god that was my running theory based on that at some point yeah i I had a similar thought was that with with that that was that human was if nothing else the face that the god's avatar was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense as well. Yeah. And so I, I I still don't really know what that's about. If if it's a case of like, like how they had Emily Browning play Essie Tregowan and Laura Moon in season one. I don't know if it's like just one of those where they, they wanted to draw the connection and so they used Bruce or if it is supposed to be like an actual narrative connection. I don't know. But either way, I, I suspect it at this point that it, it was Tech Boy because of the way he went he goes and hides in that automaton at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's what I assumed. And the yeah. fact like with the Essie thing, they said that it was an the girl was Essie and it was very different than Laura Moon's um story. But this guy, we never get an actual name, and it has to do with technology. Yeah, he's not. I, I went and looked in the credits of that episode to see if that character had a name, and oh, he totally yeah. doesn't. Like, the, the, it's not mentioned at all. The other guy has a credit. I forget the actor who plays him, and I forget the character's name. I think it's Maximilian, maybe? Oh, The, Maximilian. the, the, the magician, yeah. Who but, I totally thought was someone else, and I think I told you that. I won't say yeah. anything, but I totally oh, thought yes, that was I do. You know, but it still could be. Like, could if, be. if, yeah, I won't say anymore because I, I, I know who you think it is. But, I, but I, I think that theory could still potentially be correct if yeah. the relationship in question works like that. <laughs> it possibly, possibly would be interesting, yeah. but... um. 
I just, I hope yeah. they return to, like, I hope, I hope, I know there's been some concern with the current showrunner, shall we say. Yes. But if we got a season four, which I know hasn't officially been confirmed yet, or at least as of this recording, I should say. As of this recording, yes. Um, I, I hope, I just want the consistency. I want to keep the guy for the consistency so that a season four will actually reference some of the the plot threads that are left hanging over instead of ignoring them as well, it happens nice. every other season. It would be nice. Like, again, I know that there's been controversies with the current showrunner, um, but like you, I would only really want to keep him because it's like he, if we had a season four, let's say technically we get a season four and let's technically say that it's the last season. You want it to be able to tie in with whatever happened in season three. We don't need another new season because it's like, what if this is the last one? Um, I think season four regardless of who runs it, has we'll to be, be the, the last one. Because there's, there's not enough nothing of the else book. they could do. <laughs> they, there's like five chapters of the book left, and you can't stretch it out the way they stretched out the first, like, nine. Well, and again, this is like my personal theory with it, is um, I know that when I spoke with Omid, he said if, and when I spoke to Ian McShane, he said if. But when I did an interview with Ricky... He said season four. When I did an interview with Bruce, he said season four. And I paid attention to a Moon Monday that Ricky Whittle did where someone in the comments asked him, how many seasons do you think American Gods can run? And he said, without hesitation, four. So to me, it's like, and you had said in a message of ours where, sorry to like, you know, blow that up but um, where you had said that maybe they approached uh stars saying like hey let's do you know we have a, a idea for three and four where we can wrap everything up and maybe stars like agreed to that but they said to themselves let's not announce it just yet especially with kind of like the controversies that are going on let's not put that out there yeah and, and i said that because i think it's awful suspicious that Neil Gaiman kept making a point of saying in interviews in 2019 how he and um, uh, whatever the showrunner's name is, Chick, yeah, how he and Chick had already plotted out season four. Like, that kept coming up again and again in interviews that, oh, they've got the next two seasons figured out. Yeah. Why would you do that at this point? I guess, especially with the show's penchant for running through showrunners, like, why would you even bother? Well, yeah, that far and, I ahead. Think, and I think that um, that kind of really adds to what you were saying that they could perhaps because if you think about it, if I'm Neil Gaiman, right, and you write a book and I mean, I don't know what his most famous book is. I kind of want to say Sandman, I feel like is, you know, but I American it depends Gods on the audience that you ask. Okay, yeah. Um, But American Gods is a huge book of his. And I would imagine if you're Neil Gaiman, you're sitting there going, man, I just want my full story to be told. And so if you're Neil, you have a big, you know, maybe you have a big voice in the decision making. Maybe Stars listens to him and he said, like, I'm going to bring the showrunner in and we're going to we're going to finish this thing. No you know, speculation, no new showrunners or anything. I'm going to stick with this guy, and we're going to get this shit done. 
Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's totally plausible. And I think from a network perspective, that would be really a, like if I was an executive at a network, mm-hmm. a network that had a show that had had a troubled history. If, you know, one of the, the people sort of in charge of that show said, look, I've got a guy I like. We got a plan on how to end this. Just let us end it. I would potentially find that appealing, especially if I knew there was a, a big enough fan base that would be upset if I canceled the show prematurely. Yeah. Like, I think at this point, you have to just let it finish. We're, we're too far in now that I think, even though the audience doesn't appear to be huge, I think there would be enough of an upset that they didn't just let it play out, especially since this season seems to have been better received by both critics and audiences. Yeah, I mean, I remember... I remember season two, you couldn't go on the, on the American Gods tags on Twitter without most of it being, like, shit-talking. Yeah. Um, so I don't see that now, which is good. My two thoughts are, A, they keep renewing well i know that the walking dead is ending with season i believe 11 but you know for years it kept getting new uh season orders even though it consistently was having the lowest um yeah the lowest ratings of its of its lifetime for four seasons it's like the walking dead opens with its lowest uh rating you know lowest viewership yet and it's like then why do you keep giving it more seasons um so they did that and then a show that I really liked on the CW, iZombie, was kind of in a similar boat where it had a nice fan base, but they weren't obviously the fan base of, say, The Flash or Arrow or anything. Mm-hmm. But they knew that it was a big enough fan base that would be upset if it got canceled prematurely. So they eventually did the whole, hey, we're renewing it for season five. Yay, a week later. And it's going to be the last season. Well, that kind of sucks, but at least we know. And we don't have to like sit there and wonder, like, oh, God, you know, season four is ending and they haven't renewed it yet. Are we going to just, yeah. you know, leave off on a cliffhanger? So, um, but before we move on, I wanted to continue with Tech Boy for just a second. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no. Dude, I'm so like a blabbermouth or anything. Um, I could go for like hours with this. <laughs> but I love Tech Boy's um, story with the whole thing. I loved his journey um, with, you know, Shadow, again, with Bill Quist, learning who he is, learning to, um, you know, control his emotions. And the two scenes that I want to talk about before we move to any other character <laughs> are, A, his scene with Bill Quist in the mind grab, like the head grabber. Yes. <laughs> like, how amazing was that? <laughs> I just, first of all, I love that his subconscious, like, presents itself as Bill Quist. Yes. Because <laughs> it just it just speaks to the the obvious impact she's had on him, which I think is such an interesting choice. Because in the in the book they don't have any connection. He just kills her. Yeah. I mean spoiler, but I don't think they're gonna do that in the show. I don't so. think they're gonna go in that direction now. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the book, the only time they meet is when he kills her in a prelude or not a prelude, an, inter- an interlude between chapters during the lakeside portion it's towards the end of it where they like they start flashing around to other gods in america and their life kind of sucking kind of hinting at why they're all going to end up joining this war anyway Mm -hmm. 
Um, and they, they, they cut to one where t- the technical boy rides up and just murders Bilquis, like on the side of the street, and it's awful. And, and I'm so glad they didn't do that in the show. I was and I really, so worried. <laughs> I was I, so at, worried. At this point, I think there's no chance of that happening. No, I, they've developed these characters too much to have because it would be it would be way too cheap for mm-hmm. Tech to kill Bilquis, especially in the manner that he does yeah. in the book. Um, and then it would be too cheap to have that as Bilquis's death. I mean, Agreed. it would be so offensive, really, at this point. If, yeah. well, especially if, after all that's happened to both of them this season. Exactly. Like it could have maybe done it before, like if. If none of what happened to either of them this season happened, you probably could have done it. Nobody would have liked it, but it. But you could have. <laughs> wouldn't have felt. It wouldn't quite have felt out of character. The way that it would now. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that. So um, I'm glad what it seems like they're doing with these two characters now. Um, and as you said, I love that technical boy's subconscious is Bilquis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yetede did that scene perfectly. I love that she was dressed up as tech boy, same hair. If mm-hmm. you, you know, she was kind of talking like him as well. So that was fantastic. Um, and the last scene I wanted to talk about tech boy is his last scene in season three. How shocked are you to find out that like technically technical boy is older than most of the gods that we've seen on screen if not all of them i mean maybe bilquis is older than him but she's like her and maybe like ibis are the only ones that i think because i mean i i don't know exactly when man created rock right so i i don't know what where the only thing certain religions started, you know what I mean? To me, the only thing that could seemingly be before Technical Boy is um. Remember in season one in Lemon Scented, you the the tree god, yeah. which they say is probably the first thing yes. that human beings worship. I mean, technically, that's probably the only thing that's older than Technical Boy. Yeah, I mean, Mister Wednesday certainly isn't. No, no, hell and, no. And I don't think most of the other old gods are anywhere near old enough to predate Rock, which is, you know, the implication is that he's as old as the first time a human thought a rock could be a tool. Yeah, which is such an interesting, (laughs) it's like, huh, the, according to Mr. World, the most powerful new god is even older than almost, almost if not all of the old gods. To me, I just thought that was so cool. It reminded me of, um, it reminded me of Mad Sweeney in season two when mm-hmm. Wednesday didn't want Sweeney to go backstage because then Sweeney would know how powerful and old of a god that he actually is, as opposed to just being a leprechaun. Um, and to me, it's like now. So Wednesday had that with Sweeney. Now World has that with Technical Boy, where it's like he didn't want Technical Boy to ever know who he really was which is why he kept the artifact one from him um and i just i just thought that whole thing was like so interesting to me i wanted to keep exploring it when they ended it with 
uh, Mr. World trapping tech and walking out, I was like, no, come back. No. I, I need more to this. <laughs> I agree. You know what? I have complained about – complain's a strong word. I have um, – I've had mixed feelings about Crispin Glover as Mr. World sometimes. Okay. Um, particularly in season two, I thought he did all of his line readings with the same kind of just almost like angry whispering. I didn't feel the threat from him, I guess. But that. Yeah. in these last couple of episodes, in, in nine and ten, but especially in ten... Like, especially in that scene with, with Tech Boy, where you're just like, oh, this guy's unhinged. He's creepy in it. I like, thought he was really creepy in episode nine when Tech yes. Boy was in the head grabber. And he's like, and he kept doing these really long pauses in between his, like, sentences where he's like, well, I'll come back. And we'll go for a trip. And like, he just oh, kept staring. Stop it. <laughs> Which, I mean, is a testament to probably how, like, good Crispin Glover is at being absolutely crazy. Yeah. Well, it reminds um, me of how scary he was in Lemon Scented You. He's so yeah. creepy in that episode. And then so I think creepy. season two lost a lot of that creepy because they just didn't do anything with him. So I don't know if it's Crispin Glover's fault or, like, the writing and the directing. I mean, it could or both. be all factors. I remember in season two there was an interview with him where... He kind of alluded to the fact that he didn't like that his character was being seen so much that he felt um, that his character should be one of those things that's talked about and not seen. He needs to be very elusive. Um, And we saw that he was on screen quite a lot in season two. So I think that he works really well in these small little bursts and he really can like flex during those times. That also doesn't surprise me because I feel like I've seen in interviews that Crispin is quite faithful to the book. Yes. And Mr. World has next to no appearances in the book. The first time that we see him, we don't even... Okay, I think I can say this. The first time (laughs) that we see him, we don't even realize it's him and it's at the, the... at the motel at the center of the earth. Not the center of the earth, the center of the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not <laughs> um, the center of the earth. <laughs> it's, when they're, it's when they're, you know, giving the body over, but they don't actually make it clear that that's Mr. World at that point. He is no, very another elusive. character. Um, yeah. And then in, it, towards the end of the book... Uh, you find out that you had seen Mr. World once before. But those he only appears in the book twice, at the motel and in the climax. The rest of the time, he's just spoken of. Right, and, and I think that's why he disliked being yeah. on screen so much in season two. And I believe, um, as you said, he is a very faithful to the book because he doesn't tweet a lot. He really yeah. is not on social media, but he just tweeted or put on Instagram like, so happy to be part of a faithful adaptation or he said something along the lines of like adaptation or something. And it's like, maybe he's happy with season three where he doesn't get to be on screen for that much. I also, I know we talked about this at the beginning of the or in our first podcast, but I just love the idea of, cause it, I love the idea of having multiple people play Mr. World. 
Because on the one hand, it lets us have more Mr. World, but it also, like, you know, it makes Crispin Glover happy because he's not on screen all the time. And it makes Mr. World seem more mysterious because sometimes he looks like Crispin Glover and sometimes she looks like Dominique Jackson and sometimes he looks like Danny Trejo. And and it's just Mr. World could be anyone. And that, I think, if you're going to use the character a lot like they are, I think that layer of unpredictability helps make him scary again because anybody could be Mr. World. Like for all shadow knows, Mr. Ibis could be Mr. World. Oh my God. Or Mr. World (laughs) could be pretending to be Mr. Ibis. You know what I mean? Like he could be anything. And that's, that's cooler than just having the mysterious character on screen a lot in the same way, you know, it's it's like you don't want to see the horror movie monster too much unless they can look different each time, and so you're never sure it's the monster. Yeah, and I think that this season did a really good job in kind of establishing Mr. World and Mr. Wednesday as the foes, really, in my opinion, yeah. um, that... It's not the new gods versus the old gods. It should be everyone versus Wednesday and Worlds because neither of them have anyone's um, best interests in mind, which is why I have – oh, my God. Can I tell you, I loved Laura killing Wednesday. I know it was part of this Mother Effer's plan um, to die, but I loved that it was Laura. I felt vindicated um i felt as if it was only fair you know not just for her for shadow for sweeney it's like she and i just love how everyone's like shadow at some point's like can't you just let it go you're alive again you know blah blah it's like no no she cannot let it go um so what did you think about laura's journey in this season laura's arc is tied for my favorite alongside technical bullies. (laughs) And that's weird for me to say since I have not always loved what the show's done with her. But this season I thought, you know, forcing her to confront her demons and accept that her parents played a large role in why she feels so messed up and that it's not just her ruining things for the sake of ruining them. And then having to deal with learning that and then not changing who she is necessarily, but learning how to stop herself from doing certain self-destructive behaviors. Like in episode nine where she almost sleeps with uh, Liam Doyle and then stops herself. It's such a clear moment of growth where you're like, oh, she is growing even if she's still... Because in season one, Emily Browning described Laura as somebody who was unapologetically unlikable. Yeah. And that was what she found attractive about playing the character, was that the character wasn't trying to be liked. And so she could be as nasty as she wanted. And I like that that's still kind of there, that Laura is still unabashedly Laura. But I also like that we're getting, like development on that does that make sense no it absolutely does because i feel like this season had her finally admitting that like she cares about people yeah you know um her 
again, and you it know scares me, her I, that she cares about them. It scares her, right? Because it's like, um, you know me. I was a I was a mad wife shipper. Still <laughs> is. I feel like season three validated that for me. You know, come on, Sweeney's blood. The yeah. you know with the potion love like come on all right that that's the, the it. The shippers that's, ended yeah. up being correct. We ended up being correct. We just had to lose Matt Sweeney in the process of being <laughs> correct. But um, you know Laura saying goodbye to his ashes and her you know crying and you know in my opinion Laura saying fuck you is a code for I love you. So mm-hmm. you know when she says that, but of course she still has this very um, you know wall up kind of where she can't allow herself to say things like that but her doing that her admitting to Salim like uh you know I care about you but you know she it's so hard for her to finally admit that that she finally snaps and says it and to a degree almost caring for Liam you know she mm-hmm. asks where he is and all that and she you know flips him the coin so that he can be protected during that time when Chern- which I'm still a little confused did Chernabok hit him or did he just kind of like flip and like then go into like the horde I was still kind of a little confused by that <laughs> the way it looked to me was that Chernabog definitely hit him like it looked to me that the hammer made contact but I'm right. wondering if the coin helped dull that some so that yeah, it was cause, survivable. Because I feel like if he was killed, you we just would have been able to go into the horde like that, I don't think. No, and we would have seen like blood splatter because it's yeah. not like the show was hiding away from shit <laughs> like that. They no. did plenty of gory, bloody scenes. Um, so, you know, I, I just feel like he survived that. But, yeah, I mean, we saw such a development with Laura, her finally having friends, having platonic friends, right? Yeah. Um, oh, her and Salim are so good together. So good together. I love their scenes. Um, My favorite scene between them, right, was mm-hmm. when they're in the motel, not the Peacock Inn, the one where, like, um, you know, Salim sees the commercial with Doc. Yeah. It, I think the subtitle said, like, Doc. Dr. Fapp or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Something crazy. And, you know, they're having this back and forth where Laura's telling him that he needs to get over the gin. And then you see, like, the wall is moving because of, you know, the residence Mm -hmm. next door. And Sweeney's, like, box, like, about to fall. And she, like, quickly grabs it. And she just kind of holds it. And he's kind of giving her a look like, I got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's just so fantastic. They played so well off of each other um this season and i really hope that we get to see them meet with each other again but under um your notes here you kind of put salim's arc under the dropped slash underexplored plot lines (laughs) (laughs) um I, i just would love for you to talk about that all right so we've both sort of hinted at how much we liked how his arc ends in episode eight, right? Mm-hmm. My problem is that I don't feel like the rest of the season did a very good job of kind of gradually building to that conclusion. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so in every appearance, he is so like, still so like woefully attached to the gin to mm-hmm. the point where it's, almost a little unbelievable that he makes such a 180 in a single episode where I, I'd have liked, I guess I would have liked 
some of the earlier episodes to have spent a little bit more time with him because he makes such he doesn't really make an impression in a lot of the earlier episodes even the ones he's in like in episode right. two he just yells at wednesday a little bit and then you don't see him again he and laura talk a little bit in five and six but a lot of that's more to do with the 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 killing wednesday thing than either of their actual developments although they they do share i think one conversation in both of those episodes that deal with that but it's like i just wanted a little bit more i guess where if, yeah, i agree if you're going from he is codependent with the jinn to he is fully ready to move on i think you have to have a bit more of a gradual build up than they had yeah, and I can definitely see that. I mean, the whole time he was just so downtrodden about the gin leaving. Just, like, so much so. I I know that it must have sucked, right, having <laughs> someone who you love leave unexpectedly with really just such a shit answer. I mean, that letter was pathetic. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched – this is such a weird question. Have you ever watched Sex in the City? No, <laughs> I have not. Okay, I'm sorry, um, but there's a really quick. There's a scene in one of the seasons where like the main character Carrie, her boyfriend, leaves her because he put he puts on a post-it note. She like wakes up the next day and they've been dating for like a year, and on the fridge is like a post-it note that says, "I can't do this. I'm sorry. Don't hate me." And it's like the gin might as well have done that, just like uh, left yes. a post-it note for freaking Salim. So it's like I know that he must have felt really poorly about that but i mean god he was so downtrodden the whole season and you're right in episode eight suddenly it was like oh no i'm actually really good now like everything's fine (laughs) i know they work through it a little bit in the episode like he does spend a good amount of that episode kind of trying to work through that but it's just i would have liked i would have liked the, the, the the trying to work through it bit to have been longer than like 20 minutes in one episode well, because it seemed as if the whole episode, Laura was working towards getting over Matt Sweeney mm-hmm. longer, like, in the season. Yeah. Then Salim was getting over the gin. Yeah, I, exactly. And so it's, why couldn't they have kind of spent an equal amount of time with Salim on that plot? Like, they, they, could have been getting, they could have been working through it together, not necessarily even talking to each other like that, but, like, just... We could have seen him trying to work through it at the same time we're seeing her trying to work through it on her end. And so when they both succeed in working through it in episode eight, you get the same sense of satisfaction. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, um, I feel like Salim really quickly in episode eight was, you know, because at first he was so with him, he was wearing his sweater and then... um, then suddenly the next morning he's like, oh, yeah, I have no idea where that sweater is. I think I'm just yeah. going to go travel. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's like one conversation with Tony and then the orgy scene and spending the night with Kai and now he's all over it. Well, Kai must have been really good at what he was doing. <laughs> Um, that's what I thought when I saw those spoilers, like we got the spoiler mm-hmm. list and it was like Salim and Kai kiss and they connect. And I'm like, who the hell is Kai? And yeah, it's like, like oh, who is Kai? 
I was looking. I was like searching on Google Kai American God season three to like see if you you could see a cast list or something. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea Nothing. who the fuck Kai is. Um, I also, but uh, I love how vague that is. They kiss and connect. The, that spoiler thing was so vague. <laughs> it was so infuriating. Um, Mr. World uh, tweets about Artifact 1. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. I watched the episode, and I still don't know. It's he like didn't he really didn't... have that extreme of a reaction. He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Apparently so that was tweaking, you know? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, but, I, uh, I expected a glitch or something, like, like, yeah, how, like, like uh, when they do, like, the God Vision in Season 1 where, like, when when world is like tapping his head and it's like yeah I can be anything I expected something like that yeah and we didn't get that at all it was no. just like, <laughs> didn't just, see that just Danny Trejo being slightly angry about it <laughs> oh my god um I was gonna say that with Salim um I appreciate that he got over the gin but I even more so appreciate that he um got his faith back mm-hmm. you know and like far be like that. That sounds so weird sometimes me saying that because it's like I'm of the mind of like anyone can believe anything that they want to believe. You know, if they choose to change their religion, you know, that's great. Um, But religion was such a core piece of who Salim was and we could see how much it sucked him not having that, that it was very nice to see him praying again. You know, just to see that maybe he's just getting his he's getting his groove back pretty much. Yeah, I, I really liked and they've been doing this since last season. It's one of the things I, I think they managed to hold over fairly consistently, which is Salim trying to rectify his own belief with the world he's seeing now. Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean when you believe in the one and true God? But you can see these other literal gods all around you. Yeah, isn't that what the jinn said to him in season two? He was like, you've met all these gods, and yet you still pray to, you know, one god. You still think Allah is the one god. And And I think that was something that Selim really, like, um, struggled with in season three. Um, I kind of liked that little exchange where Laura said, like, now that I have to pee and I have to stop a bunch of times, now we're not stopping when before <laughs> we were stopping all this other times. Um, I just thought that that was cute. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Sleem, I definitely want to see more of. I'm I'm going to say, um, instead of saying if we get season four, in season four. Um, when we get it. <laughs> when we get it. Uh, I hope we see more Sleem. But, um I also want, because I want to get through some of these things that you put down, because I thought that they were, like, really good uh, notes here. So, under another of the drop slash underexplored plot lines, you also put Bilquis's arc. Um, And I I am inclined to agree with you, because even though I loved Bilquis this season, I love her in every season, um, I agree that I still don't understand what the hell was going on with the Orishas and that woman towards the end. It's like, I love Bilquis having her spiritual awakening. I love seeing more of her. I love her, you know, being more than just, say, this very sensual, sexual figure. It's like, I love all of that. Um, but I still don't understand what the hell's going on with her plot line. Yeah, that's that's how I feel, which is I... I feel like the show never really explained who the Orishas are. 
And it, and it's their job to explain that to us. We shouldn't have to go look up who they are elsewhere to try and make sense of that. Because that's what I had to do a few times to mm-hmm. make sure I didn't say something that was accidentally, like, offensive to anybody who worships those particular deities. Because the show didn't tell me anything about them. I don't know. I think they maybe said once that they're Yoruban. I hope I pronounced that right. That they are Yoruban deities. But they that's it. And they may have said that. Or I may just know that because I looked it up. I think you may know that because you looked it up. Because <laughs> I... I the other day I um, rewatched like up to episode seven and then I had to like go do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and sh- never once. I don't remember seeing that with the Orishas. It, we had a scene where it was, um, I guess like they're coming to America scenes, even though they're not calling them. I think yeah. you call the cold opens, but we have it where it's some slaves in the plant, uh, the cotton fields, mm-hmm. right? And they're praying, and the Orishas appear, and they kind of announce who they are. But they really only announce who they were, their names, and yeah. saying, "Oh, we're the Orishas," and that was it. And I, you know, maybe some people know who they are, but I don't know who they are. And not that like you have to cater one hundred percent to me. You don't, but I mean, well, the I show explains who every other god was. Yeah, I should have some explanation who these, you know, gods are. Well, and they've done it. They've done it for every other god. Like, we, they told us who Odin was. They told us who Tyr was. They told us who Ibis was and Jackel and, and Mr. Nancy. And, you know, they told us who all of these gods were, sometimes through the coming to America, sometimes just through Wednesday telling Shadow who they are. And and I think it's like, well, if that is the, the pattern you have set up where you are going to explain to us who these gods are, then you have to explain to us who these gods are as though we don't know who they are. And yeah. I, they didn't do that, and so I don't understand what their connection to Bilquis is. And the, the part that confuses me is, like, if she was just a human, I could totally buy that she's praying to these goddesses, right? Right. But... She is a god, and from what I could find online, which I don't know how reliable it is, but it seems that Bilquis is from a different part of Africa. So they're well, not I in the same pantheon. Was... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Okay. I, was, I was only going to say, I believe she's from Egypt. Um, so... As you said, I, I don't believe she's in the same pantheon of who the Orishas are. So why would she be praying to them? Yeah, that's when, what is their connection? Why are they just – is the show just treating them as like a generic thing that helps people find their true selves? Like I don't understand what their purpose is, what, what they're doing. Yeah, to me it just seemed as if um, you know they're gods to help – people and maybe help other you know gods to see who they are because there's that one scene where Bilquis is in the um whatchamacallit in that room and they appear to her and they say you know you are not who they think you are you are whoever you want to be you know show them who you really are and she's like you know you're right I'm who I 
I'm who the world made me seem. You know, saying I always compare it to Matt Sweeney, right? Yeah, I was um, when you said that about Matt Sweeney, I had the I had that exact thought, which is Oh, hold on. I'm I'm while we're talking, I am looking a little bit on Wikipedia with on the the Queen of Sheba entry. Mm-hmm. And um there it looks like the Yoruba people who are the ones who worship the Orishas do have a story um that perhaps ties into the Queen of Sheba, which is who Bilquis is. Um, yeah, because the thing with the Queen of Sheba, if I remember the few times that I've looked up, she, um, <clears throat> she herself has some different stories and some mythology. She's a Jewish figure. Yeah. Um, in others is other things. So well, she's primarily could... an, an Abrahamic. Um, that's that's <coughs> Judaism, Christianity, and uh, Islam. Right. Uh, um, it looks like she's primarily a figure in that tradition, but there on the Wikipedia page, there's just a brief mention about um, the 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 I'm, I cannot pronounce some of these words, but <laughs> one of the the Yoruba clan of a particular part of Nigeria claimed that she's a wealthy, childless noblewoman of theirs, known as. Uh, a name that if I feel like if I try and pronounce it, I'm going to fail and I would be offensive. So I'm not going to. Okay. Um, so, but then somebody else is saying that they don't want to overplay the theory, but it also can't be discounted. So I mean, if you look at some of these other mythologies, like Chernabog, right? Yeah. I've looked up Chernabog where they say that they don't even know if he really was a god that was worshipped by the Slavic people, there there's conflicting stories that maybe people never really even worshipped this person and that it just got confused over time with other gods. So it's like a lot of these gods that we see are maybe – like obviously Odin's fully developed and other gods are fully developed, but in a way others have – so many conflicting things that there is nothing to really tie them down. Yeah. Just on that note really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. You, did, you, did you know that Neil Gaiman made up the third Zariah sister? Really? That yes, there's only there, two? There, there are only – it's morning and evening. The, the, I cannot pronounce her last name, so I'm not even going to try. But the one who gives Shadow the, the coin. Oh, not Zoraya Vershnesnyanya? No, no, it's Zoraya Poluchinyaya, I believe. <laughs> um, she doesn't exist. Oh, interesting. Um, and the book has become so popular that there have been a couple of scholars who have accidentally cited his book as proof no. she exists. <laughs> and it's like, no, he totally made her up. Don't no, do no. that. Because <laughs> he sort of conflated them with some of the other traditions of the three women in various tales, like the three witches and Macbeth, or there's just that, that like trope of the, the young woman, the, the maternal aged woman and the elderly woman. Right. And so I think, I think he was doing a play off of that trope with the Zariah sisters in the book. But I just think it's really funny that as you're talking about the, the conflicting evidence of Chernabog being worshiped, that, that, one of the Zariah sisters literally 
didn't exist before <laughs> Neil Gaiman made her up. Which I have to say, um, you know, rest in peace to Cloris uh, Leachman. Uh, you know, our our uh, is it Evening Star, Morning Star? It's Morning Star, right? I think she's the Morning Star. I think she's the Morning Star. Um, so that was sad, but I'm glad that we were able to get her. You know, her spirit will always live on in American Gods. But I'm sorry, um, uh, that she's the Evening Star. Uchrenyaya is the Morning Star. You know, that was pretty good. That was a pretty good pronunciation. Um, I, I, Although it's funny, um, this is so off topic, but I've seen people online who I guess are, are Slavic saying how funny it is that the show can never pronounce the Zariah <laughs> sisters' names correctly. And I go, yeah, I guess we probably are all butchering it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm basing it off of how the show and the audiobook pronounced it. And if they're wrong, then you know what? I'm I'm woefully wrong. <laughs> well, it's funny because um the act you know it's so funny the actor who plays Chernobog is not Russian or maybe he is but he doesn't have a Russian accent. Um, so it's just so funny hearing he him. He is sometimes. Swedish. He's Swedish. Okay. <laughs> Do you ever like feel as if he's like really trying to stress a Russian accent and it's not always working correctly for him. <laughs> a little bit, but I feel like that might also be a little bit of his normal accent coming through. It could be. It could very well be. I attribute sometimes with um, Pablo Schreiber's Irish accent. Yeah. Where the explanation is, uh, well, he's been in this country for so long that it gets wonky. And it's like, yeah, because sometimes he has it, sometimes he doesn't. Yep. <laughs> um, which I love, though. Again, Mad Sweeney person all the way here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so Bill Quist, I, I'm not sure, like – can you explain to me what you took away from that last episode that we saw? The last scene we see of Bilquis is of her going to Laura Moon. I So before I get to that, yeah, I in general, I hate that her plot seemed to be that she needed to break free of the stories that men have told about her, right? That was the whole thing that the Orishas kept saying, you are not what men say you are. And then they pivot hard into, but your purpose is going to be to serve another man's plot line. <laughs> like, like we go through all of that, and then she's told that she has to protect Shadow and then unite him with Laura so that the two of them can, I guess, unite the people. Is that, I think, what's happening? And, and, and that if they don't come together, then Shadow's going to inadvertently become the oppressor is sort of yeah. what I took away, but it's so vague that I have no idea what's going on. It's so vague. I'm really hoping in season four that is explained more because I didn't get drop. it. They could drop it entirely and I'd be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if um, while Bilquis is having a vision, right? She yeah. sees Laura. She sees Shadow. She also sees Technical Boy. So it's like, are the... Are these our four Avengers? Are they going to unite? <laughs> like, to get, like, you know what I'm saying? The the four of them, are they going to unite? They've all been screwed royally by other people, and they're all going to unite to take down uh, Worlds and Wednesday. I don't really know. Um, I kind of hate the whole idea of Shadow and Laura being, like, soulmates because you 
pretty much just told me that her and Sweeney loved each other, and I was perfectly fine with her and Shadow just being friends. Well, like, I just... thought... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, they, they just spent three seasons explaining to us that they were moving past, you know, they, you know, they were moving on from each other. Yeah, you just spent three seasons of Shadow saying to Laura, you know, no, I don't love you like that anymore. And Laura admitting that she was never the person that she was when she was married to Shadow, that she was just making that all up pretty much. Um, so you establish that. I'm okay if they work together as friends. Yeah, right? that's fine. Platonic buddies, totally fine totally fine but if you're going to get them back together and say they're soulmates i don't like that um and i think i told you that it i don't know why it just sticks with me that it's like he never acknowledges that laura died because of wednesday like even in that last episode where they're like you have to kill laura and he never like or no one ever, like, the elephant in the room is never acknowledged where it's like, yeah, no, I obviously killed Wednesday because he killed me. Um, and that's never approached at all. It drives me crazy. <laughs> well, I, I rewatched a little bit because when I was working on my review for it, I needed to touch up, like, the order of events. Right. And Shadow does say to Cordelia that Wednesday killed Laura or Wednesday had Laura killed. I must have missed that. Because he, he says that, and then Cordelia says something like, that that short girl with the spear, <laughs> that short angry girl with the spear. That short, I think she said Yeah, punta. I think she said puta, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but that's the only time it's mentioned, and I I made a note somewhere in something that I wrote about this. I don't know if it was the review or the post I'm working on that's talking about the whole season, but... Mm-hmm. I, I, on the one hand, I understand Shadow's conflicting emotions about his father, where it's like, you know, he knows Wednesday's done all this terrible stuff, and he doesn't even like Wednesday that much, but he's still his father, and there's some, like, you don't necessarily want someone to murder them, but he also fully, I think, does understand why Laura would want to murder him, but it's it's that weird thing if it's like, he doesn't want her to, but he's he can't entirely fault her for doing it. That's sort of the vibe I still got. Like, that's, to me, that is why he let her live when he could have just killed her. That, and I don't think Shadow would have killed her at all. But where it's like, okay, you've done this. Now go live a good life. Get away. Yeah, seriously. At this, at this point, it's like, Laura, just, just go. Um... But obviously that's not going to happen because now Bilquis found her um, and Shadow's up on the tree and all that. Um, so I had a f- uh, I had a couple of more things for our podcast now because again I want to kind again I I really like the notes that you did. Um, but before I go to them because you have stuff that got a lot of promotion but not a lot of screen time. <laughs> Bef- before we get to that, I do want to ask you. We talked a little bit about this and then. Um, if you're not comfortable, you know, talking about it, please let me know. Um, the thing where it seems like they're giving Mr. Nancy's role to Mr. Ibis. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I understand they have to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise there's just a giant hole where there's supposed to be a character. Right. 
And on the one hand, first of all, I don't think I'm qualified to say what is in good taste or not in this situation, right? Me either. But I, I feel like... I feel like it's a slap in the face either way, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's a harder slap if they recast Mr. Nancy, it, suggesting that, oh, we can just get somebody else to play him. Like, I yeah. feel like that's, like, a really hard slap, whereas what they've done is a slightly less hard slap. Like, My... I, hate, I hate that they've given... I'm sorry, I totally talked over you. No, 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 please, please, it's fine. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I hate that they literally gave Ibis some of Nancy's dialogue from the book. Right. Like, it's one thing to just have Mr. Ibis take over that role in the narrative. It's another thing to actually give him lines that were spoken by Mr. Nancy. Yeah. And you pointed that out to me because I wasn't, like, fully aware. But I do remember that I sat there and said, I feel like this was said by Mr. Nancy. Um, My only thing is that um, I quite like Demore Barnes as Mr. Ibis. So the idea of getting more of Mr. Ibis is nice. Um, Especially, and this is just in the show context, right, Mm -hmm. that I'm saying that you know, Chernabog is such an abrasive personality. Um, so you have that nice balance with Mr. Ibis, who's very calm and very, like, uh, mellow. Um, so I do like that sort of yin and yang there. Um, but in all reality, it should be Mr. Nancy and it should yeah. be Chernabog in that. Um, yeah. And I it think... sucks that we can't get that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I was just I, I think in the book, Mr. Nancy is way mellower in the book than he it was on the show. Mm. And I think the reason that Ibis, even though we have the real world knowledge of why Ibis is there, I think it's that's why it works as well, because he is filling the same kind of thing where in the book, Mr. Nancy wasn't all that angry all the time. He was a little more jaded and calm about it. Right. Which I, which I think. He acted more as a mentor to Shadow. Yeah. If yeah. I remember it was, correctly. The vibe of Nancy in the book wasn't, you know, the angry get shit done thing. That was a show thing. And I think it was a really good thing in the show. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not criticizing them for tweaking his character some or anything like that. But I, I do think that is why Ivis works so well in the role because at this point, Show Ibis is basically what book Anansi was. That they're filling the same role of Ibis is kind of a mentor to these people. Well, in the book, Mr. Nancy was more of the mentor. Ibis didn't really appear that much. And, I mean, if you think about it, right, like, again, I'm not saying it's correct at all. The show's just doing what it has to do yeah. with what they can. Um, if you think about it, I feel like Mr. Um, uh, Nancy would tell Shadow that he's an idiot for going up on the tree. <laughs> I feel Whereas, like he does in the book anyway, though. I do think he calls him I, at one point. I, again, it's been like, I've only read it once, so I can't remember. But well, that, you was, know. that was something the show got right, which is Nancy in, in the book loved to, like, tease Shadow. He was always calling him an idiot or, or dumb or... Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do remember that when I read it. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, I wish that it was Anansi. Yeah. Uh, just because Orlando Jones commanded the screen so, so well. Um, so that sucks. I, really... I also... I'm Go so ahead. sorry. I, oh, I, no. I hate that we've been deprived of seeing... Anansi lose his mind at at a at Wednesday. Like, can you imagine the way that Orlando Jones as Anansi would have reacted to finding out that Wednesday had been pulling a con? Oh my God, he would have been so because he <laughs> he was already barely tolerating Wednesday. He has that whole thing in season two where he's talking about you know how the only reason that all the gods are going with Wednesdays because, you know, Zariah was a white woman and was killed. Or he's like, he's so, he's so already barely tolerating Wednesday that I feel like, you know, if slash when he found out this was Wednesday's plan, he'd have just snapped on him. And it would have been such a joy to see that happen that I hate that we don't get it. I hate that we don't get it as well, and, you know, not to spend too much time on it, but I don't think we'll ever get no. it. Um, I don't think Orlando Jones has any interest in coming back, if that were the case. Um, and Ian I can't McShane, blame him. Uh, no, 100% do not blame him. I was going to say that Ian McShane um, mentioned in our interview that he was upset by that and that he wishes that um, Orlando could come back, but... It's like at this point, just that doesn't seem to be in the cards at all. So, um, but again, like, um, I'm sad about that, um, but I am happy for more, Mr. Ibis. Um, But let's move on. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Really quickly, I'm I'm concerned. So, um, is is his name pronounced Damore? I think that's what I've been saying. (laughs) And anyway... Um, he just got promoted to a main role in Law and Order. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I'm concerned that will he be able to be Ibis in season four? Like, what? how will that work? Because he had been a recurring character, so he had plenty of time to do both. But he's a main character now, which I would assume means his requirements with Law and Order are going to be is going to be required to do more. So, will he be able to be released to be on season four, or are we going to have to find somebody else again? Yeah, see that I don't know. Um, that is interesting to see. I haven't wa- so funny. I love SVU. Um, mm-hmm. I just haven't like caught up with their latest season, so I don't know in, like, what capacity he's there. I don't either. My my mom watches it, and I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I did when Um, I was younger, and I just... It's been going on so long, I I stopped watching years ago. (laughs) I I went some years without watching, and then, like, one day, I think I I sat there and go, I have nothing else to freaking watch. Oh, look, Law and (laughs) Order's on Netflix. Let me catch up. Um, Which, by the way, Pablo Schreiber plays a real mean son of a bitch in, like, season 15 of SVU. Really scary. Um, but Pablo Schreiber wouldn't come back either. He tweeted out saying that while he would lo- he loves the character and he would love to do something like a spinoff or something like that, that he simply doesn't have the time 
that yeah. he has all these other projects and he simply wouldn't have the time to come back. Well, he's the um, lead on Halo. He's got time for nothing. No, yeah. I mean, he's still doing the Halo thing, and I don't know what other projects he has that would say take him from that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we got, I guess we, you know, the book is so easy. You just write these characters, but when it comes yeah. to, like, the live action, you gotta, you gotta work around schedules, you gotta work around this and that, and it's like, ah, oh, god damn it. Um, but let's move on to the stuff that got a lot of promotion, but not a lot of screen time. And the two that you put down, and I agree with you, but I'll let you go, are Liam and Whale as Chango. Yeah. So Liam, I expected Liam to appear. First of all, they did such a good job of hiding the Laura went to purgatory storyline. Yes. I had no idea that was going to take up nearly half the season. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I assumed that Liam would have appeared by like episode five. Like I didn't expect him to appear right away, but I did not anticipate him not showing up until episode eight. Well, yeah, you and I talked before the season came out. We talked about um, Liam essentially being the replacement leprechaun. Um, yeah. and I, I assumed as soon as Laura came back from Purgatory that we'd see Liam to have as her mm-hmm. little driving buddy. And when, the, and when the episodes kept going and we didn't see Liam, I go, you know, I remember, I remember seeing this in the promos. It wasn't even just the trailer. I mean, they did, like, yeah. you know, promos with him to talk about his character and so to me that said oh he has a pretty significant role and then lo and behold it's not till episode eight he comes granted i liked what we saw of him Mm -hmm. but i would have liked a shit ton more i like that actor i like the character of liam um and i kind of like the idea that he was originally hired to kill yeah yeah that was cool um, I like that he said no. It did make me think, well, why did Matt Sweeney say yes? Unless it was more so that Matt Sweeney had a debt that he needed mm-hmm. to pay Wednesday. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like everything they did with Liam. I was just like, why did you build him up as this thing? <laughs> and then he, he doesn't do that much. He really just gets the spear and then trains Laura a little bit. And that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. It's like he gets the spear. He trains Laura. We think they're going to sleep together. They don't sleep together. Um, he technically, I guess you could say, saves her from Chernobyl because he, you know, pushes her out of the way. Um, uh, what you call it? I I love <laughs> I loved when he like disappeared into the horde. And mm-hmm. Laura literally thought that he, like, fucked off with the coin and that was it. And then you see him come and he looks as if he just trekked through hell. He was like, you don't even want to know what I saw in that horde. It was crazy. There was a puka that was, like, 12 feet high. There was this. There was that. I, I didn't even think I was going to make it back. To me, I was like, wow, now I want to see what the frick is in this horde. What do you have there, Sweeney? Right. <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. Right? That you know what? There's the spinoff. There's the spinoff with Paula Schreiber. Someone hire James Wan. <laughs> yeah, you know, there you let's go. go. <laughs> let's go. But um, yeah, Liam. 
I definitely wish we would have seen more. I thought that he had a nice little personality, and it was kind of nice seeing him like that as someone who is very much used to that actor as um, Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. It was nice seeing that he was nice. Um, I liked that, and I liked the kind of back and forth between him and Laura where he kind of said he kind of called her out on her shit where he's like you are so cynical aren't you you know like chill the fuck out for just a second please yeah I I just love that I think I said this earlier but I loved the dynamic they had during the training sequences in in episode 9 where you know he's sort of gently like riffing on her a little bit and and then the, the way they did that whole thing where where she's about to sleep with him and he seems into it and then she says no and he's like well what what about what i think and i was like oh no don't do this show and then it turned into something really wholesome and i was like oh that's nice because i thought you know i thought they were just gonna have him be annoyed she wasn't gonna screw him right but then he's like no how about you treat yourself nicely and stop doing the stupid shit and like we'll make a plan we'll go bowling and i'm like all right that was so cute i was like yes let's go bowling (laughs) i i really like that as well i love that because at first when he's like wow just when i was getting warmed up to the idea and you're like oh is he gonna like you know not force her but is he going to kind of like push her or something Yeah, yeah, and he didn't. He was just nice. It's like, aw, a nice leprechaun. (laughs) Who knew? This guy. (laughs) Um, As for as for Wale, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Oh my god, I've been saying whale this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Uh, that being said, I'm unsure if it's pronounced Chango or Chango. (laughs) So. We're just messing up everything. You know, to be fair, the show didn't tell me because he wasn't in the show. No, he wasn't at all. It was so weird, right? Like, I know they didn't really put him in any of the promotional material, I guess because they didn't have any of it. But in some of the, like, press releases that got released, they kept saying how the character was one of the Orishas and he was going to play some role in helping Shadow connect with you know, his ancestors or his ancestry or, or whatever. And then they don't share a single scene. <laughs> no, it's so weird because it's like, I do remember him getting, because, you know, when they were announcing all of the new characters for season three, like I was reporting on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, And there was definitely a description of him. Okay, so where's his character? And he wasn't even really in the scenes with the Orishas. Like, you would expect that when the Orishas pop up, he's going to pop up a few times. No, not really. I think that might have been his voice when they were doing the, like, the song that was playing under them. And then there was the male voice that was, you know, like, almost rapping. I think that was him. But I'm not sure because I don't listen to his music. I think that was him as well. Um, but, I, that was the, but so it's like, did they only bring him in because they're like, oh, let's have this like musical sort of voice? I mean, because, yeah. you know, did he has a great him in voice. for the song? They're like, we need, <laughs> we need someone to do this song. He sings. It's perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's go with this. 
And it's just like, why would you, like, if that's all you did, why even bother making up a whole character description for him? Just say he's one of the Orishas and move on. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Um, Unless there were plans to build him up more and it just never, you know, because they they put a lot in this season. Yeah. That's reasonable. They, in the material they sent to the press right as the season was airing, he still got that character description in the document that has all the character descriptions. So it's like, why is that still there well after the show's been shot? Yeah, I didn't get it at all. It would have been nice to see him, um, just because, again, yeah. Gave us the description of the freaking guy. And I thought that was a really neat idea. I was like, oh, cool. Shadow's going to explore his past with somebody who's not Wednesday. That could be really cool. And then they didn't do it. No, they didn't do it. <laughs> not at all. I would, I would be so interested in seeing, like, deleted scenes for this show. Because you know they have to have yeah. them. But they, they don't release any of it. Well, I mean, again, like, I hate well, when I, I say this. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to, I know you don't know if they did or didn't, but it's like, that would at least make sense if they filmed it and then ended up cutting it. But then why did you cut it? Well, no, I was just going to say, um, when I spoke with Bruce Langley, right. And I was just saying like, I hate, I hate saying things like that. Cause it makes it seem like I spoke to Bruce Langley. Um, <laughs> but you know, I had, and you had watched it, but I had asked him about that scene where, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but they were all over Tumblr last year yeah. where it was him in like a fat suit looking very similar to what the book describes him as. So I'm like, OK, well, clearly they shot a scene and we never saw it. And I asked him about it and he was like, well, they could still use it. So I can't tell you anything. So it's like, OK, so maybe we have a Chango scene and they're still going to use it. It's like, maybe that's why they don't release these deleted scenes. Cause it's like, they're holding on to it as if maybe they'll use it again. I don't know. Well, I just want a box set when the whole show's over where they release all the stuff they didn't use. Yes. <laughs> like, like if they end up using it, that's fine. I understand. If they don't, I want the deleted scenes. I want the deleted scenes. They always do deleted scenes in shows and movies. I mean, Jesus, see it. Let let's see some of that. Maybe that would make people like really happy. Yeah, I also just I love when they put them on there because then I can judge them if they've cut what I feel is a really important scene. <laughs> I do oh that God, all I the time. That. I hate that when you watch something, you're like, why wasn't this in the show? It this would have made a lot sense on the Harry Potter movies where. In the last half of them, they kept cutting really important things. And I was like, why are you... Don't give me the pacing nonsense. This movie's two and a half hours long. You can throw this two-minute scene back in. They're like, no, no, that um, that's going to take up way too much time. We I can't know, do we that. We can't do that. We but you know what that. we can do? We can have them wandering around the woods for five minutes. That we can you, do. You would like that, right? <laughs> the wandering like, no, around us? No, I wouldn't. I didn't like it in the book, and I don't like it now. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't understand with American Gods the whole like you know promoting Liam and Whale Wale. Sorry, I I don't know how to pronounce his name, but promoting them and then barely being in the show. Um, but Michael, I have two more things that I want to discuss before I let you go for this evening because I know I've been holding you. Um, really quick, the 
I guess, person who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> I really was happy that they cut his scene. I felt that that was a really oh, that person. good decision. Yeah. Who was that? Who do you think I was saying? <laughs> I thought we were talking about um, the, the character who shall not be named who may or may not be involved with Wednesday's plot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to talk about that because that could ruin things. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yes. No, I, yes. I, the other person who shall not be named. We can say his character name, Johan. Johan, yes. Yeah. I wanted to mention it because we talked about where it was like, all right, the Orlando Jones thing is a pretty hefty controversy, right? Yeah. And how are you going to recover from that? It seems like they're doing a pretty good job of recovering, right? Um, and then this freaking thing happens, and you're like, God damn it. Can American gods have a freaking break? And so I was really happy that they cut the scene. I didn't feel like it affected anything. There was at no point where I was watching it and I was like, wait, what happened? Um, because they did kind of show Tyr, um, you know, uh, being face-to-face with, I guess, yeah. like, Berserker mode Johan. From what so, I read, they, they literally just re- – they didn't even cut the scenes. They actually just painted over Marilyn uh, – the, the actor who shall not be named. <laughs> um, they, they painted over him with – a CGI kind of monster kind of thing from what I, I think, I think I read that somewhere either in like a review or maybe in a news article that they, they very quickly replaced him with a CGI model of like the, the, the berserker mode, which is probably why it doesn't feel like there are any scenes missing. Because there really wasn't a scene missing. <laughs> See, okay, oh. that's that's something. Because when they said they were going to cut his scene, I sat there and said, when I watched it, I didn't really feel like a scene was cut. We saw Johan with Tear. Um, we saw Johan's body, or at least I think, if I remember correctly, we did. We, we um, saw enough of it, but they kind of very carefully didn't show his face. Yes, yes. So I guess they treaded lightly with it. Yeah. Um. So my whole thing is that I'm happy that they cut it because they probably figured, no, no, no more controversy for us. Stop this shit. <laughs> I feel like they just, they shouldn't have even cast him. Like, it's not like, it's not like there weren't whispers about some of that anyway. And then they, they didn't really do anything with the character anyway. Not really. Like, what was the point of that character... Like, I, I get they were going for Wednesday's Got Followers, but the biker bar would have done that just fine. Or just even just some... If you weren't going to make the Nordic death metal band characters, why put so much... Why shine such a light on that? Like, My only thing is that they probably... Because, you know, they have... Well... I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> you know, who's a uh, famous mu- musician. Mm-hmm. And then they had Johan's actor who is, a, you know, he, regardless of what has come out, he's been in the spotlight as yeah. a musician for like the past 20 years. Oh, God, so they probably thought pro- you're probably 100% right. So it's like, 
they probably thought that getting the notoriety of having someone like that was like, oh, this is really cool. You, we have like this really prominent figure in the rock metal mm-hmm. community in our show that's going to headline a Norse death metal band for freaking, you know, Odin. And it was a cool um, yeah. concept. I thought it was when it happened, but then, you know, shit hit the fan. <laughs> you know who they should have cast? They should have just cast Trent Reznor in the role. I don't know if he'd have done it, but he has a similar vibe, or at least in the 90s, had a similar vibe to the actor who shall not be named. <laughs> I mean, they even toured together. There, there, there are stories. Uh, Trent Reznor hates this person in question. Oh, so it would have been, like, perfect. Like, Yeah, he... <laughs> like, not only would he have done a good job, he made similar music, because he's a Nine Inch Nails guy. Right, right. So they made similar music, you know, put him in a wig. I didn't know his name at yeah. first. Like, I know Nine Inch Nails. So I just didn't know his name. Yeah, I mean, they could they could have had this guy. They could have had, like, Rob Zombie. You know, yeah. there's so many people they could have had. And it's like, that was sort of my point, like, not get rid of the character per se, but you, it was an open secret what happened. People knew they like Johan's the type of character that they could easily recast if they had wanted to keep the character around and yeah. like no one would have cared. Nope. You know, no one would have blinked an eye. Would anybody like, cool. have even noticed? <laughs> Probably not. Because I don't even think he looked that similar. I mean, maybe I just haven't seen what the actor who shall not be named looks like nowadays. But he, when I saw him, I didn't even initially recognize that that was him. It it doesn't. Um, the long blonde hair is yeah. kind of trippy because that's not usually his style. Just put thing. any skinny white guy in a blonde wig and you'll be fine. <laughs> Remember when I thought it was Matt Sweeney? When I yep. was like, I <laughs> look like it. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's that's not him. I think that's the other guy. <laughs> you know, I was I was holding on to that I was a shameless Matt Sweeney funny. fan. <laughs> but you know what the there you go, Pablo. If you don't, yeah, if you can't, if you can't come back as Matt Sweeney, you can come back for two seconds. <laughs> as that guy. We'll put you in a blonde wig. You, you're no good one with... will even notice. <laughs> no one will know. Um, but uh, Michael, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap everything up are predictions for season four. I, again, I'm going to still sit here and say that we're going to have a season four until they officially come out and say that that's not going to happen, I'm saying there's a season four. I agree. It's going to happen. I'm wishing it into the world. Yes. <laughs> it's happening. So when it happens, I feel like, first of all, I think I said this earlier, it's going to be the last one. I think it has to be the last one for like 13 different reasons. <laughs> I like that for 13 different reasons. <laughs> I mean, and, and only some of them are like production reasons. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I said, there's not enough of the book left that you can drag that out any further without, like, feeling like it's come to a complete halt. There's too much momentum now. They have to get to the climax, or everyone's going to jump ship. Well, yeah. And... I... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was... Go ahead. No, <laughs> I was agreeing with you. I just 100% agree that you need to finish the book. We need to have a conclusive ending um, you know, this is just way too open-ended with a massive cliffhanger right now. 
And I mean, I also think they've already stretched the show too far. I think mm-hmm. it should have been three seasons to begin with. Like, one and two should have been combined as one season that ended with Shadow finding out that Wednesday was his father. Season two should have basically been what season three was. And then season three should be whatever season four is, and then you're done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I know a lot of shows love to stretch shit to, you know, five, six seasons, but it's like, it would be fine if it was a solid three seasons, as long as they're good. Um, But in season four, I really want to know what the hell is going on with Bilquis and Mm -hmm. Laura and Shadow. I mean, that just has to be explained so much better than it is. Um, I, again, as a technical boy, Stan. More tech boy. More tech boy. I want to see him break out of that prison, and I want him to see badass. Like, you're one of the oldest gods in the world. Like, go beat someone's ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, in, in episode nine, when he got out of the head grabber, and he, like, pretty much killed those two thumbs yes um i was like call them thumbs i because i i call i heard someone call them thumb people one day and i thought that that was the funniest thing they kind of look like the thumbs from spy kids yeah exactly (laughs) so the two thumbs um so i thought that was like oh us getting a badass technical boy i need Um, more data tape that's my my only requirement He needs to eat more data tape. We talked about that where I was like, oh, he's on a raw data tape diet. (laughs) I just, I need him to consume it like it's coffee. How many times did Bruce Langley do that take? Like, is that a one time? I hope it was multiple times because he kept breaking. (laughs) All right, now you're going to turn around, you're going to have Like, what if they made it so it tasted like chocolate and just kept eating it? It was, um... Remember fruit roll-ups? Yes. <laughs> he just died fruit roll-ups, and that's what he had in his mouth this whole time. <laughs> that scene was so funny. It was so funny. It's like I knew it was like supposed to be like a really serious scene, right? You just see all mm-hmm. these like dead people around, and uh, again, I think his name is Dr. Fapp, literally, and he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? He just turns around. He's got like rolls of data out of his mouth. <laughs> like. It's just so fun. It's it was great. It was really great. Um. So yes, more technical boy. I want to see him be a badass, and I want the reveal. I want the reveal yeah. with a certain person that we're not going to talk about because we're not going to ruin anything for people. Um. But I want that reveal. Yes, I want that reveal, and I want them to stick as close to the book ending as they can. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. That that's um, my. Those are my requirements. I want. I want the Bilquis, Shadow, Laura stuff explained. I want Tech Boy, and I want the ending. And that's – everything else is, like, icing on the cake. Yeah, anything else that they put in, it's like, whatever. I don't care. You know? You want to – I mean, get- I want more Salim, right? Like, I want Salim. I want Liam Doyle to come back. But if they don't, I understand because their stuff has kind of been wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, listen, I would love Liam Doyle to come back just because, again, like – the more people that they can get to rally against, say, like, Wednesday and World, the yeah. better. Um, I would love Salim to come back for the very reason just to see how he's doing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is he good? Is he traveling? Um, and if you bring the gin back, Salim, yeah. like, 
we're going to have a conversation right now um, because I think Salim deserves it. I think Salim deserves a face-to-face with the Jinn, and I don't want them to get back together. I no, want him to walk away from him. Yeah, you you tell him, Salim. He doesn't get to come and go like he has been, all right? That's not right. Yeah. I mean, the only way I'd accept them getting back together is if the Jinn finally laid all the cards out on the table. Well, unless it was one of those things where it's like the Jinn didn't leave on his own accord. He's been trapped by Mr. Wednesday, and that note was just a decoy. I guess, but I, I feel like that's a cop-out. Because yeah, I, I, I'm still <laughs> I'm still sort of convinced that Wednesday had no reason to lie to Salim when he told him he didn't know where the gin was. Like, well, why yeah, would it's... why would Wednesday have cared to taunt Salim in that moment? He just be like, yeah, I sent him away. What of it? But he like explicitly says he didn't, which to me feels like he didn't, and the gin just left. Which but again. I don't know. Like, what are you doing, Jin? Like, uh, you know, you had such a great guy, and you were just uh, an asshole, I guess. But um, <laughs> he too has commitment issues. He has commit. He is really old, so you know, he's he's seen a lot in he's his like, day. I'm gonna live. I'm gonna outlive you, and I don't like that. He pulls a Doctor Who, and he's like, I don't like this whole outliving people thing. I'm out. Well, I will say really quickly that was one of my favorite scenes in season two. Was Matt Sweeney, because as, as abrasive as Matt Sweeney had always been to Salim, and uh, frankly, you know, a little problematic with yeah. some of the words that he used to <laughs> say. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that he wasn't. Sweeney was not the best person. Um, but I liked him telling Salim, he's going to outlive you, and you're going to just dedicate, like, maybe the 80 years that you have on this earth to that guy? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um. So I did appreciate that, and that's kind of how I felt about Celine, where it's like, don't dedicate yourself to this man. But then again, I'm a hypocrite because I wanted Laura and Matt Sweeney <laughs> to get together. So, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, Michael, I think that we reviewed the hell out of season <laughs> three. Um, I loved it personally. Um, really quick, if you could rate it out of ten, what would you rate 10. it? Ten. Ooh, I'm feeling like a solid eight. Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight, an eight out of ten. I'm inclined to agree with you. I was thinking an eight as well. So an eight is good. Um, An eight is very good, and I hope that season four happens, and I hope that that's at least an eight out of ten. I'll take it. Um, Yeah, you're you're right. (laughs) I'll fucking take it. But, um, Michael, uh, thank you for, you know, Taking the time, I know that I've held you up for two hours now, which I don't mind. I love talking American Gods, and I appreciate you coming on and talking American Gods with me. Before I let you go, please let everyone know who's listening, um, you know, where they can find you, what you got going on. You can find me on Twitter at ThoroughlyMe or on my own website, which is ThoroughlyModernReviewer.com where I review a lot of things. Uh, and that's sort of it. I'm working on some fun not reviewing stuff, but it is not in a position where I can really talk about it yet. <laughs> 
That's no problem. We're going to have to find a new thing for us to review because we can't go like a whole year or two without doing another podcast with each other. Um, but yeah, no, please everyone make sure that you check that out. Um, Michael has a lot of great reviews. I always enjoy reading your reviews. Um, and as for me, you can check me out. Uh, geekvibesnation.com has links to all of our social media accounts. Or if you want to follow me on my private, not, you know, my personal social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram is TC underscore Stark. And please make sure that you're checking us out on YouTube, Geek Vibes Podcast. I have all these amazing interviews with all these amazing American Gods actors. So please make sure you check that out. Give them a like. Give us a subscribe. All that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, Michael, um, great uh, Season 3 of American Gods. Hopefully we get to do this again in Season 4. Um, but, yeah, everyone, have yourselves a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye.